91 Donkey Lane is a magical apartment complex that contains immense power, but lacks intelligent inhabitants. What is happening? I'm getting texts. Why are we getting a lot of texts? People found out what we did. Oh, dividing Mike Myers into an infinite amount of tiny Mike Myers. Listen to 91 Donkey Lane for free on Spotify or your favorite podcasting app. More at 91donkeylane.com. See you there, you donkeys. Do you like to laugh, geek out on music, and learn all about that band or artist who had that one song back in the day, but then seemed to fall off the face of the earth? If so, you need to subscribe to One Hit Thunder. Together with an array of interesting and hilarious guests, we do a weekly dive into one-hit wonders like Eiffel 65's Blue, Krayshawn's Gucci Gucci, EMF's Unbelievable, Delamitri's Roll to Me, Los Del Rio's Macarena, Musical Youth's Pasta Duchy, and even Patrick Swayze's She's Like the Wind. So are you subscribed to One Hit Thunder or what? As Desiree would say, you gotta be. And as K7 would encourage, you gotta come baby come and join in on the fun of the One Hit Thunder podcast. Hey, do you have an idea for a podcast but don't know where to start? Or do you have an already existing podcast that you want to take to the next level? Well, check out WeKnowPodcasting.com. From concept development to theme music to editing to logos, WeKnowPodcasting.com is a one-stop shop for all things pod. Don't hesitate to hit us up. We're very nice. Welcome to episode 351. We got past that big old episode 350, and I said, man, Lost Boys, what a great, iconic movie. Let's keep that streak going with 2007's Dead Silence. And boy, does it feel like 2007 up in here. Oh, dude. man. <laughs> every, every second of it. Uh, Kyle, you and I were talking right before we hit record, and I, I said there's few movies that I've watched in my life that just bounce between good and awful mm-hmm. at yeah. such a rapid pace at the drop of a hat. Yeah, there's <laughs> a there's a there's a great visual. So if you've watched the first 10 minutes of the movie and haven't made it past, there's a great visual <laughs> in which the first kill, time slows down and things in the house are happening and being really like unnatural and a grandfather clock starts to slow down. But I like to think before that it was swinging like crazy and that's what this movie is. <laughs> it, it just goes back it swings vigorously back and forth between really awesome and then really bad and then there's just moments where it's like are you sure (laughs) and then it goes either which way it's really fucking bonkers so like the crazy one of the craziest things to me about this movie is that they universal who is you might not know this listeners universal is weirdly awkward about what films they'll allow to not use what is like their branded logo at that time like you have to have a compelling case to break out a logo from the archives. Mm. And somehow this movie qualified 
for them to break out the old 1950s claymation globe flying helicopter logo, which, side note, I fucking love it. I love whenever I see that Universal logo. But this movie, this is the one where you're like, you know what? This movie calls for the classic Universal black and white claymation globe intro. (laughs) I'll never understand it. The only reason i think that it somehow works right or like they they would allow such a thing to have happened (laughs) is that they must have really felt james wan and lee winnell were going to do it and you know what they did but at the same time they put something into a mold of true mid to late 2000s atmosphere yeah it's like that's why the good stuff is so good like I really do chalk it up to their interests and their way of like producing scares and writing them in, but then you put it into a box that's shaped like 2007. That's <laughs> all I can think about. Is, Look, like, I'm gonna say something. I want to say something real fucking wild, and let me just double check something before I say this. While you're double checking that, I got old ghoulish from Abomination, and the only reason I picked it was because there's blue. Yeah. And then there's orange. Yep. That is this movie. <laughs> Just to like a Dead Silence. And I have a beer too. Oh, yes. I please. have Baba Yaga. Oh, my God. Oh. Yes. Baba Yaga. Right. Where the fuck is it? But it's got like uh, Baba Yaga is a creepy old lady. And this has yes. like tentacles on it, which I, I, it pissed me off because I was like, well, it's perfect for the name, but not for the, the design. Name, yeah. Yeah, but th- and mine is not okay so with the name, but they, it does feel like the little kid that gets ventriloquized by the yeah. Oh, yes. yeah, 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 yeah. All right, so my wild statement. Originally, I was going to say this is my end of statement favorite James Wan movie. I'll say that it's in my top three. I think that this is one of the three most watchably entertaining movies Wait, that so he's you, ever made. You actually like this movie? I don't like it. It's more about how much I don't like James Wan's movies. But I would actively watch Dead Silence three times before I would rewatch Saw one time. Whoa, <laughs> that's a <laughs> I know, I know. I just I have never been a fan of Saw. I've never sure. been a fan of the films that Saw inspired after the fact. But like creepy dummy movie with weird ghost woman ripping people's tongues out of their mouths. Sign yeah. me the fuck up. That's a great setup. The concept of this movie is fun. I think yeah, the, the, execution the execution is, is lukewarm. Yeah, pretty. <laughs> it, it, well, Kyle was right. It's it it's ping pongy. You know, like yeah. when it's good, it's very nostalgic almost. Yeah. Like, which is weird to say 2007 nostalgia, but because there's really very little that was good that was coming out. Well, because it has the same chandelier from the Lost Boys in it. At yes, some that's point. what it. So <laughs> there's. I I think my vicious defense of Dead Silence is mostly in response to how much people treat it like it is the absolute worst horror film that has ever been released. And it's like, this probably isn't even the worst horror movie we've talked about on Horror Movie Night in the last two months. Oh, like, no. It's, not, it's like, definitely not as bad as I remembered it being. I was way harsher when I watched it. You know, this is only my second watch. And I think I saw yeah. it in theaters. Like, I was, I was very oh. upset by this film. It's dumb as hell. Is definitely yeah. dumb. Um, it has some great visuals, but I 
I I didn't hate the watch, and I kind of hate myself for not hating the watch. Yeah. So yeah. so here's the here's the quote that I wanted to bring out that I think does explain a little bit about this movie is that the co-writer of this movie, the not James Wan writer of mm-hmm. this movie, that he's not um, even going to try and say his name. Just so not you know, that Kyle. last name, Lee. I'll start there. <laughs> uh, but he's written a blog that was called Dud Silence: The Hellish Experience of Making a Bad Horror Movie, um, and in that article he breaks down a lot of it but the main thing being that this film they had a script doctor just rewriting everything that he was writing and this was the paragraph that uh, wikipedia highlighted which i think is a good paragraph to read after everything is said and done i'm almost glad that dead silence happened because it gave me an extreme coal face lesson on what not to do it was like learning how to swim by leaping off of niagara falls I only write scripts for spec now, yep. which means that I write them in my own time without getting paid and then take them out into the world to see if anybody's interested. Never again will I enter the arranged marriage known as selling a pitch. <laughs> I've also become very gun shy about working with any studios and in a world of independent film where you can write where what you write ends up on the screen. Plus, if you don't have the money to bring in script doctors, then that works perfectly fine for me. Who knows? Maybe one day I'll take a chance on a studio again. But I think that there is a point. I was I was literally thinking about this the other day, and I would love to hear Kyle's thought about this. But the and I think it was from reading that quote, but the fallacy that we have of like or the I don't know if that's the word I want to say, but whatever. Um, that like you have to live in LA to make it happen. You have to. And I think of like, could you imagine telling any musician like, oh, unless you're living in New York, your band will never get to tour. Like, it's mm. such a weird well, thing. The thing is, people say that about Nashville a lot. You know, right? like Nashville. Yeah. But it's like, I feel like we're very open to the idea that a writer can live anywhere and like a yeah. playwright can live really anywhere and a musician can live anywhere. But for some reason, if you want to make a movie, it's like, well, unless you're living in this specific city, you're not going to be able to chase your dream when like mm-hmm. time and time and time and time again, that's proven to not be the case. John Waters never left Baltimore. Dude has a fucking Broadway show. Cronenberg <laughs> came down to LA for maps to the stars and that's, it yeah (laughs) fucking it you know like you can do it you can make it happen no (laughs) i think that there's a continuous disapproval of that but l but let's just say i'm just saying la the economy of la needs it to be the fact the economy la needs it (laughs) they will continue to feed you the 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 system in which la is built upon or at least hollywood is built upon will continue to feed you that you need this and people who don't know or are unwilling to explore anything else will continue to like ingest that and like i mean look it obviously does help a lot of people there's a certain there's a hand there's a good number of people who are like i moved to la it works for me i'm here and that's what i do but for me and for a lot of other people i mean lee winnell let's just talk about him for a second he went on to do so much other stuff after dead silence that is probably maybe not as like you know financially successful because it's not a studio picture but it's also like uh maybe emotionally and mentally successful for him <laughs> you know what yeah. i mean I, like I think that's way more important experience. though because like uh, i too. think that studios turn art into a product and mm-hmm. that's fine because it takes all it takes all kinds right you know right. but i think right. that what you're getting at is that you need you definitely i think that i think that as oh jesus consumers. i had no clue the movies that he mm-hmm. did after this 
Yeah, I mean, he may have made Dead Silence, but he also went off to do Upgrade and The Invisible Man from like two years ago. I didn't like, know yeah. that he did Upgrade. God damn, yeah. that movie yeah. is I so he did, he did, did he good. Did he do Cooties? Was it he did Cooties. Cooties. Yeah, he did yeah. Cooties. Yeah. Insidious. I didn't know that. Like he's he's doing fine. Yeah, <laughs> he's no, doing, and like, he's still he's still partners. With Insidious Wano, is an a lot indie of stuff, and I guess it was distributed. So it was distributed by. Um, whatever company distributed yeah Universal, whoever, all it, whatever. So that's the thing the, the yeah, problem is yeah. what he's saying because i know what he's talking about like when you sell a pitch you know you don't have a script you walk in there and you're like we got this idea where it's like an old woman who like haunts ghosts or like this old woman ghost that haunts a doll and they're like we like it we'll pay this much money for you to write it but right. now you've like entered a contract where whatever they want in the script they're going to get or yeah. you're just not going to get any of the money to make it happen yeah. versus where it's like i already wrote the script you either want it or you don't <laughs> like, I'll say that this is pretty successful in still bringing some of their voice through because there's yeah. a lot of shit like that where you're like, I can't believe that person directed it and it reads nothing like or wrote it or whatever. And you're like, that reads nothing like any other product that I've even heard of or thought of or whatever from them. You know, it's it, it isn't it's an interesting time. It's like on its I really feel like 2007, late 2000s, it's its last leg of. Yeah that type of studio horror that they can still make a buck on. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's like I, really the last of a dying breed. In it's the, also just it a, should be shot dead. Yeah. <laughs> it's a movie that like when it leans into its concept and it leans into the absurdity of the concept, like prime example is like, I love the idea that Mary Shaw has this giant long tongue made up of all of the tongues that she's yeah. ripped out of people's yeah. mouths. That is such a fucking cool, creepy detail that completely makes sense within like the mythology of this world is and then the revenge when she takes story... your tongue and this yeah. is just totally wa like a throwaway concept of her power set but if she takes your tongue then she can use your voice and like yeah they she barely uses that power except to just yeah. be creepy like you could fuck with people so much better yeah big time big time there's some really interesting shots here and i like that like because she's a ghost and she has this crazy power set that it's like the second you open your mouth there's no one that's like screaming and running away from this it's like they open their mouth to scream and immediately the tongue is ripped out of the mouth and they're dead like i think it's it the the one that jumps to my mind is donnie Wahlberg when he like yeah. falls and he screams and then all of a sudden his face just is torn off essentially mm -hmm. yeah. like mm -hmm. like there's there are cool creepy Visuals, I, I love in the more like this is kind of dumb side of things. I love uh, the guy who basically like it's not directly implied, but it's like his job is to photograph these corpses set up. Literally, he's the the the, the undertaker. He like runs the morgue yeah. in that town, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Because he saw Mary Shaw first and didn't scream when he was a, a teaty tiny boy, but and now like, that's his bur it's burden to bear. Yeah, but he's just, just he's like you set him up and die. take pictures like this. He's like I have to, <laughs> like, which I'd like to believe that that wasn't actually a request from Mary. It's just like kind of his his <laughs> he, he was like vibe. No, that's that's a Matt Kelly vibe. If there ever was one, like <laughs> I have to do this, and the ghost is like. I never said. No, shut no, up! Really I have to don't. do this. You really don't. No, it's fine. <laughs> this is my interest now. The year twenty twenty two for horror movie night is definitely the year that we picked a lot of movies that only had one gel in their budget, and this <laughs> and this week 
that gel is blue. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> like, no, it did feel, this checked a lot of boxes for me. It was basically <laughs> the intro to Are You Afraid of the Dark with Slappy the Dummy from Goosebumps. Yes, was it was. Like, oh, it's okay, this is great for me. And it also, that's why I was terrified. <laughs> so let me tell you the number one reason why I've considered picking this movie for as long as I've considered picking this movie, mm-hmm. which is one of the most batshit crazy ending twists in the in the same scope as like a sleepaway camp yeah. or a rock and roll nightmare mm-hmm. where it's just like what yeah. <laughs> I had and I you know what it wasn't spoiled f- for me that feels like a twist you know like sleepaway camp's twist was spoiled and it's probably because it's yeah. a, a better overall movie in some yeah. ways <laughs> you know a bit. What I mean? just a bit just a little bit <laughs> but like i feel like dead silence is of that era where it's like that twist would have gotten spoiled and yeah. i don't i did not know i had you know no clue i, 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 I didn't get spoiled time. twice i've watched this movie yeah. twice and it was a surprise both times <laughs> <laughs> oh see that's the only thing i remembered about the first because i remember this came out this came out during matt kelly working at a video store wow. so i got that like one week before it hit the shelves, watch oh, in, yeah. right? And I didn't, like I said, I didn't hate it, especially you have to factor in. At this exact same time, I was watching the eight movies to die for. And Hell like, yeah, dude. Some because of those. that shit, that carnival, that carnival movie, the carnival horror of 2007 was everywhere. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm saying. And like some of that mm-hmm. shit was unwatchable. So, like, in comparison to some of the shit I watched on the After Dark Film Festival, this yeah. was tame, quick. Whatever, but I remember watching it, and that ending <laughs> happened, and I was just like, "What?" <laughs> like yeah. I, it blew my mind, and and then I was telling everybody, "Dude, the movie's okay, but holy shit, does the twist come out of fucking nowhere?" <laughs> like, but it it's, is it's so good, telegraphed really well. I'll say that it much. is. No, it they is. did a great job. So, listeners, I- I'm assuming you're not going to watch this movie if you haven't already. <laughs> Basically, the main character. His, he's estranged from his father throughout most of his life. His wife gets murdered when they get a creepy doll delivered to their house. And I will give another credit that I will throw in this film's direction. Actually, two of them. One, I really like the Dead Silence theme. I think that it is uh, a very Kmart theme. Tubular Bells is yes. what that is. No, I'm okay it's with not, it. I'm okay I mean, with it. Kmart Tubular hey man, Bells is still great quality. Yeah. It's a yeah, good like it's, purchase. <laughs> I, I have this theme song on my computer. It's it's one of those songs that I'm like, one day I'm going to do an outdoor Halloween display and I need a soundtrack for it. And this is like a perfect outdoor Halloween display type yeah. song to have playing. Like, it's just creepy. It's great. Also, big compliment is I really bought this husband and wife as like being kind of realistic to how I've seen most of my married friends act where it's like dumb inside jokes poking fun like usually them making a joke that's only funny to them like mm-hmm. it's it i thought they did a pretty good job of capture capturing what felt like an authentic married couple for the brief scenes that they had together but anyway yeah. no I, gets, I love it but did yeah. you notice that that her hairdo is a straight rosemary's baby reference oh yeah yeah big time i did not know that i did not make the connection but you saying it i'm like well maybe i should have made that connection. (laughs) i mean she literally puts a blanket under her her shirt to look and pretend she's pregnant and it didn't land for me at all but you're completely right it's not that it shouldn't have landed it's just i'm in a different planet apparently (laughs) but the the, the doritos were heavy (laughs) so she dies in one of the more wild decisions in this movie 
Um, the husband really goes for the creepy dummy alibi right out the gate when the detective is so questioning makes, him. He makes bail and immediately bounces. Like, there's <laughs> such a bad well, choice. Not without stopping literally back to the crime scene to be like, mm, yeah, this is where my wife died, and that then leaves. They, and also, <laughs> yeah, if they entered, it. why wouldn't they have entered the dummy that he says is the murder victim or the murder weapon into evidence no no Yo, just if, leave I'm, a, if I'm an Ooh, officer and like he doesn't even say ventriloquist dummy but there's literally one in the <laughs> fucking crime scene i'm taking it yeah. it obviously has something to do with it it's not it's very clear to me <laughs> that there yep. is a connection i've seen magic once i know yeah. that it's that <laughs> so he goes to visit his dad his dad is married a much younger woman and his dad is wheelchair bound. And he, again, he hasn't seen his dad for years and his dad informs him of like, yes, there's this family curse. There used to be this ventriloquist in this town and your uncle basically harassed her. And then your uncle went missing and everyone assumed it was her correctly. It turns out. <laughs> and they murdered her and ripped out her tongue when they forced her to scream through torture. And now her ghost is, is tracking down all of a real Freddy Krueger type situation. Mm -hmm. Ghost is trying to stop the bloodline of the people who murdered her. He thinks that he has successfully stopped everything. And that's when he goes home to his dad and finds that his dad has been dead for years and has been hollowed out into a human ventriloquist dummy. And that his wife is the perfect ventriloquist dummy that Mary Shaw had been trying to make in the 50s so that her body could possess it at any time to walk around and do her bidding. I love it. It's, it's, it's the best so part good. of this movie. Yeah. It's, you know, I forget who it was that said this. I think it may have been on the high school uh, slumber party podcast, but they said horror movies and wrestling have a very similar trope and that is if you start strong and end strong people will, will forgive you more than if you yeah. just have a strong middle <laughs> like, it's very true because oh how many times am i complaining about the third act of movies that we watch on this show <laughs> but Damn. like here's a movie that's almost trashed the whole time but the ending is decent enough that you're like yeah it wasn't terrible i'm no, not going you, to watch literally this or suggest it to anyone <laughs> no you retelling me that though, I'm like, yeah, I might watch it again. And somebody's like, <laughs> somebody's like, I've got this? a bag of Doritos. Yeah, so two liter Mountain Dew. Silent. What's up? Yeah. So I feel like my next time that the I want to watch Mountain this movie, Dew, Eli. Yeah. It, the next time I watch this movie, it has to be with someone who's never seen it and has no clue the ending, just so I can like witness them watching the ending like that's kind that's yeah yeah like that's kind of the way to do it anymore it's the same thing with like when i put on rock and roll nightmare like i love showing people rock and roll nightmare who have no clue what they're in for because when that ending comes they're just like what the yeah. fuck is yeah. happening right now yeah. I, I just love the math's like i love to subject these people to things that they wouldn't normally be subjected to. I wonder why I feel lonely sometimes. Anyway, so June 4th, <laughs> you can check out a live stream where we're doing uh, a bunch of fun stuff like that. 91 Donkey Lane is a magical apartment complex that contains immense power, but lacks intelligent inhabitants. What is happening? I'm getting texts. Why are we getting a lot of texts? People found out what we did. Oh, dividing Mike Myers into an infinite amount of tiny Mike Myers. Listen to 91 Donkey Lane for free on Spotify or your favorite podcasting app. More at 91donkeylane.com. See you there, you donkeys. 
Do you like to laugh, geek out on music, and learn all about that band or artist who had that one song back in the day, but then seemed to fall off the face of the earth? If so, you need to subscribe to One Hit Thunder. Together with an array of interesting and hilarious guests, we do a weekly dive into one-hit wonders like Eiffel 65's Blue, Crayshon's Gucci Gucci, EMF's Unbelievable, Delamitri's Roll to Me, Los Del Rio's Macarena, Musical Youth's Past the Duchy, and even Patrick Swayze's She's Like the Wind. So are you subscribed to One Hit Thunder or what? As Desiree would say, you gotta be. And as K7 would encourage, you gotta come baby come and join in on the fun of the One Hit Thunder podcast. Each week on the One Hit Thunder podcast, we welcome a special guest to come take a deep dive into a One Hit Wonder artist with us. And together, we decide if that artist brought the One Hit Thunder or was nothing more than a One Hit Blunder. You can find One Hit Thunder anywhere that you listen to podcasts. So hit that subscribe button and join in on the fun each week. Um, all right. Double features. What are we thinking? Your pick. So you go first. All right. I've been trying to get... Here's the thing. Last week, I went with us. I I know that we have this trope where I pick the same like eight movies. So I've been trying to really think outside the box, right? So I thought in Dead Silence, if you scream, it's a bad thing, right? You're going to die. Oh, yeah. So okay. I was like... What's a movie where it's a really good thing if you scream? So I'm going to watch The Tingler. Fuck yeah. Vincent Price. That is, <laughs> that is a good double feature. That's good. I mean, That's and good. they both like have that. like... The same color scheme? Yeah. <laughs> they both have... Th- <laughs> They're both in theaters. There's a major theater component. I actually think that that tracks really well. I like Thank that you. a lot. Yeah, Thank you. That's nice. That's Kyle, cool. you, wanna, you want to... No, I, I want Kyle to go next Kyle. because uh, he's got a harder job now. Oh, uh, I so I so I'm new here, so I haven't picked the same eight movies yet. But this is likely to be one that I pick often, and that's Tourist Trap. Um, oh God, you know the so uh, the the obvious mannequin jaw dropping of mannequin slash dummy situation. But you also have you also have like somebody trying to representing somebody who is there or not there. And you're not quite sure, like, their connection. And it's just, it's also, like, it, Dead Silence is over the fucking top. Taurus yeah. Trap is over the top in a way that is uh, in line with its production and production value. And <laughs> yes. you're just like, why did they choose to do that when they literally had no backing and all the money, only the money that they had, they still chose to do Taurus <laughs> Trap. I fucking love that movie. Uh, that, that movie is... Feature probably one of the best things that we matt matt and i on our uh the patreon episode that we recorded for episode 350 we brought up how that is one of the best movies that we have been uh, like that we've exposed to exposed that we've to. never had seen or heard yeah. of before I, doing the podcast. Podcast. I love to hear that because it is yeah. one of my absolute favorites and it's one that i always if anybody were to ask me who doesn't know me or is getting to know me not my favorite horror movie but like one that i would at least recommend or or if they ask me my favorite then i also give them this caveat it's always tourist trap always, nice. always always and i think that you know when somebody's like what's your favorite horror movie because they want to get to know you that's all well and good but i think that what we should do nowadays is instead of asking favorite we should say what's a horror movie that you could watch ad nauseum like you can watch yeah. it and never get sick of it because yeah, i think geez. that's a better explanation because i think like tourist trap is one of those for me as well I'm, i can tell mm-hmm. that's one for you kyle and like 
you know, Dubro Party Massacre says so much about me because that yes. would be probably what I would say, you know? Yes, yeah. Was yeah, it yeah, an yeah. art group that someone posted the Pat Oswald tweet that was like, what's your favorite? Ghostface asks, what's your favorite scary movie? And it's like, well, you know, there's just such a long range of different genres and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, Ghostface, Jesus Christ, hangs up. <laughs> like, I haven't like, seen that one. Yeah. No, I haven't seen that. It's, it's great. Like, so, it's so perfect for like a horror fan. Scott, what's your double feature on this? So um, I was going to go with Tremors because that was the original, Dead Silence was the original title for Tremors. But oh, I don't really want to watch Tremors. It's just, it's an okay movie. You know, like I've I've seen it probably five times and I don't it's need to It's better in it your memory banks than it is on a rewatch. Yeah. It's better, <laughs> yeah. On, T- it's better on TNT with commercials than yes. I've Exactly. Seen. <laughs> but it's the so, perfect time to watch Tremors. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so instead, I'm going to go with um, another movie that I absolutely love, but I don't know if I could watch it a million more times because I've seen it probably 30 times. May from yep. 2003. Is that 2003? Similar, yeah, it's similar. I would say similar. Yeah. Making uh, the perfect friend, you know? scheme, yeah. I, like I, 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 like I think it. that there's a lot more red in that movie, yeah. surprisingly. Yeah. May was my second, and it's uh, yes, it's perfect for this uh, double feature. Uh, yeah. The Tingler was way down on my list. Sorry, Matt. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the funniest right. thing about talking to Kyle about May is that he's seen it and likes it. I finally finished the book, Dr. Sleep, so I decided to watch the movie, Dr. Sleep. And oh, I think yeah. Scott talked about it previously on here. And I just want to mirror, I, I, don't, I don't need to get into it deep, but I do want to mirror having the task of trying to make a sequel to a book adaptation that is a sequel to a book that was not made into a very faithful (laughs) film adaptation and somehow doing it in a way where those two worlds gelled together so perfectly that it's almost not even noticeable that there's changes from the book going into the movie is just a really impressive feat and like I'm very lukewarm towards Kubrick's The Shining like I get Mm -hmm. it's important I get it's beautifully shot I never want to watch it and then here's a movie that's like 30 minutes longer than The Shining and I'm like (laughs) I would rewatch Doctor Sleep though (laughs) like it's just more visually interesting to me I have very little memory of this but in a lot of ways Doctor Sleep almost feels more like a like plot wise a uh, fire starter sequel than it feels like a shining sequel like it has like a lot more of like colt chasing down little girl plot line <laughs> yeah dr sleep if you haven't seen it if you've been sleeping on it uh, i recommend you go and see it go get a doctor <laughs> yeah <laughs> all right kyle what have you been watching yes yes pimp your oh no i wasn't so. going to but that's a great idea because okay yeah okay we'll do that why don't we do that last let's let's end the episode with that you can do your double feature and then we'll or your uh what did we watch and then okay. then we'll we'll finish okay. off with the, the the promo i um so i've talked about this uh thing that my wife and i do where we fuck um no yeah. i'm sorry we uh <laughs> we oh we pick a director out of a hat and uh we watch <laughs> the movies of that director and look listen having a kid <laughs> <laughs> really does not uh, make that uh, a common practice. But we did pick Rob Zombie, unfortunately or unfortunately. And then the one movie that we picked of Rob Zombie's to watch that we ended up watching, which took us a little while to even just get around to picking, was Halloween 2. And for Carly, she's only seen – she maybe has seen House of a Thousand Corpses, if okay. that. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And it is not familiar with – 
what comes with saying the name Rob Zombie, especially when it comes to film and even the whole Halloween thing. But watching, introducing Rob Zombie via Halloween 2 <laughs> is a really interesting thing to do. And I would highly recommend it to anybody to do so. It's not, it's a heavy movie, but it's kind of fucking interesting. It's kind of interesting. Like I've never seen it. And I'm told that it is a, what like people are like, if you just go into it, mm-hmm. don't think about it as a Michael Myers movie. You shouldn't just think yeah. about it as some weird avant-garde film mm-hmm. experiment. It is so strange and enjoyable. I think basically you can still, people, like, I think you can still watch it as a, as a Michael Myers movie, even knowing it's like still using John Carpenter's, uh, Halloween as a base and just being like oh this ex- this exists or even you know it, it's I don't know it's interesting I watched it on my wedding day uh, <laughs> was the last time I watched Halloween 2 the morning of my wedding is the last time I watched it I don't I don't have a reason or an answer I just did I just needed something to watch to calm my nerves and yeah. Halloween 2 was on deck but I don't know man revisiting it I'm sorry I lied we picked the haunted world of El Superbisto first which does not fall in line really with anything. No, but no. Rob Zombie's or um, Rob Zombie's Halloween Two is an interesting uh, entry point to any of his career or filmmaking stuff, and it's also just like a really interesting standalone film. If you have a little bit of the knowledge of like what Halloween did and does for those characters, you know, you don't need to necessarily see either John Carpenter's or Rob Zombie's beforehand. In my yeah. mind, I just need just to, a little I need bit to of just like bite the bullet and own it. I own yeah. all of the other. Hol- I own part six, Curse of Michael Myers. Mm-hmm. Why not just add Rob Zombie's Halloween? Bro, I think it's three mix. bucks at Fye. They've been trying yeah. to get rid of it since it <laughs> came <true>. out, <laughs> dude. When you say that, the thing that I think about, and I've said this on probably one hit thunder before. When I think of things in FYE that I know for a fact are in the used bin at any given moment, for me, it's always the Flies album, which I'm pretty sure <laughs> was like in the used bin two months after it came out for $2. All right, Scott, what did you watch this week? So this is this is actually a couple weeks ago. I just had more interesting stuff to talk about before this, but I want to do the Ryan Reynolds 2022 back-to-back discussion of Free Guy and Adam Project. Free Guy is very stupid fun. Um, mm-hmm. Very stupid, but fun. I don't think it's very fun. I just think that it was, it was long as hell and totally gratuitous. Yeah. And it was annoying in the same way that Ready Player One was, but at least it didn't take itself nearly as seriously. Agreed. So um, it was it was worth watching that one time, but it was pretty fucking dumb. And then Adam Project was really really bad. It was <laughs> the dumbest sci-fi movie I've watched in quite a while. Only made dumber by watching Max Steel immediately following because <laughs> that movie is equally bad. HBO Max has been doing me dirty lately. All right. <laughs> I'm sorry. I thought it was Max Payne uh, when you said um, Max Steel. I'll probably watch that one as well. I watch a <laughs> lot of dumb shit when I can't sleep. And then I'm like, I wake up at the same time, like 3 a.m. the next night. And I'm like, well, I guess I'm up. I might as well continue the movie that I hated last night. You know, it's just like. <laughs> I want you to continue on a Max series. Just like Max Payne, Max Steel, fucking Mad Max. Well, Mad Max is that's fine. That's yeah. Fine. Yeah, I don't. I, I have no <laughs> desire to watch any Mel Gibson movie ever again. So I, I'll get there after I watch Max Payne. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. So I made this promise a while ago, and here we are. I promised that we were going to read an email at the end of each. Oh episode. hell yeah! 
Yes. Oh, before we do that, though, do we want to talk about? Yeah, Kyle, let's let's talk about what you got going real fast. What do you got in the in the in the oven, baby? Another baby. No, uh, I have um, I, I, I put on the Facebook group, which is this is a, a pitch to join the Facebook group, which is a crazy thing to say to somebody join Facebook in any uh, regards. But um, on the Facebook group, I posted uh, the poster for my short, The Woodsman, which is now done. Uh, it is being submitted to festivals. The earliest one that we could potentially get picked for would be late June. And then from there on out, there's it's bound to show somewhere. Uh, and hopefully a lot, of these, a lot of these festivals are doing hybrid uh, models. So there's potential that it'll be easier to see than not after even during its festival run. Yeah. Eventually, like any short film, it'll probably land. It just land online. I'm not going to like put it in the vaults like an asshole, <laughs> but I am still going to be an asshole and try to put it in the film festivals because that's what I do. There we go. <laughs> it, it, the poster is live. It's by uh, the artwork is by Michael Ramsteed, who does this really wonderful series, uh, especially in the fall. Uh, a lot of Halloween stuff. And he used to do 31 Days of Horror. Uh, I recognize I I. I met him or was introduced to his artwork because i have this really nice carry print in my living room that when this episode drops i'll, I'll post it as well but it's a christmas uh horror short about a christmas tree salesman uh, named bernie davis who is both anxious and burdened with the task of selling all of his trees before midnight on christmas eve or else and i'll just leave it at that it's uh i had a lot of fun doing it it's a one character short and our actor john smith jr was amazing and uh i'm really excited for you guys to see it yeah (laughs) (laughs) so he has to do john r smith jr but it's jr with jnr it's the only way his name sticks out slash gets accredited appropriately by doing so uh but stage name yeah right (laughs) it's an option no no um no but uh john john's amazing and we had a really small but amazing team working on it and i'm excited for y'all to see it because it's a little it's a little tales from the crypt-esque it's a little camp it's uh it's fun it's fun it's fun so thank you yeah i'm excited for you guys to see it i'll i'll send you guys the link early yeah for dick pics yes (laughs) uh all right so as i've been promising at the end of each episode, we're going to go to an email because yeah. I've been stockpiling emails since mid 2020 that I was just like, yeah, we'll get to a mailbox episode eventually. And then we just never did. So if you have thoughts, questions, concerns, etc., send your, send an email our way at hmnpodcast at gmail.com and it'll probably get read on here. This is a long one, guys. So sit down and enjoy. Uh, it's from Chris M. And it's called Beach Horror. He said, hey, guys, I hope all is well and everyone is surviving their quarantine okay. I think I discovered your show around episode six, and since then I've tried to listen in as often as I can. Uh, I was listening to an episode a short while ago where you were asking listeners to submit their own real-life summer beach horror experience, and though I know I missed the cutoff date to submit, I still wanted to, to share my story with you anyway. When I was younger, I lived in Liverpool, Nova, Nova Scotia, Uh, It was a small town about two hours south of Halifax on the Atlantic coast, and their economy uh, when I was growing up was largely driven by the fisheries. We used to dive all the time off the docks where the commercial boats would tie up for the night, and not too far from there was a sandy beach called Somerville where my parents would take us to play in the sand, go swimming, and look for sand dollars. 
At the end of the Somerville Beach was an old train bridge about 25 feet over the water that crossed from the beach to the forest. And underneath the bridge is a river that leads from the ocean to the saltwater marsh near the shore. So depending on the time of the day, the river can be flowing out towards the ocean or filling in towards the marsh. It switches directions four times a day. Because of the tides, the water can be high and clear or much lower, making it hard to see the bottom. One day when I was seven or eight, a few friends and I were jumping into the water over and over for a few hours. The water happened to be a little dark, but the tide was high and was starting to switch. We always wanted to be careful when the direction was switching because it tended to uh, generate whirlpools and underwater eddies that could drag you down. So at the time, all of this uh, would take a break, grab so- all of us would take a break, grab some lunch and warm up and wait until it was time to go back in. So after our lunch, the water was clear and flowing into the saltwater marsh. Eagerly, I ran across the sands, climbed up the hot tarred railway ties, and quickly making my way to the middle of the bridge. Being young, and with my feet scalding from the heat, uh, the sun-heated tiles, I jumped out as if I had a thousand, as I had a thousand times before, and dove into the water. As soon as I jumped head first, I looked down to spot my landing. The water was now cl- crystal clear, and about ten feet under the water, I was about to land near a twelve to fifteen foot shark. I panicked. I was in my midair and there was nothing I could do. So I just screamed shark at the top of my lungs and hit the water with my mouth open, blasting the air out of my body. Not wanting to hit the shark, I instinctively tried to pull out of the wa- out of the deep dive. But because of the height I jumped from, this was a bad idea too. The force whipped my head and wrenched my back in one leg, making it difficult to reach the surface, let alone swim to a shore that was 40 feet away. Underwater, I wanted to open my eyes but I was terrified of what I would see. So I just kept them squeezed as tight as I could and instinctively made my way back to the surface. I felt something brush my leg and I'm still convinced it was the shark, which made me flail my legs even harder, half in an attempt to get to the air and half to kick away anything that might be coming towards me. Swimming in these currents can be hard at best at times. With a whiplash back and leg and neck, just trying to stay to the surface was a challenge. I can honestly say that the, sh- the slow, injured swim to the shore some distance away while knowing that there was a a large shark swimming immediately under you was probably the most terrifying moment of my life. I scarcely remember the sk- uh, I scarcely remember the swim back, which is probably for the best. When I got to the shore, I laid down, looked back, and there was no sign of the shark from where I was. I yelled for everybody to get out from where I was laying and rolled over and puked, either from all the water I swallowed or the adrenaline. I don't know. I dragged myself further up the beach, and then I watched a documentary on orcas not long before beaching themselves for seals, and my mind thought that maybe the shark could be next. My friends, thinking that there was no way I saw the shark, walked back up the bridge and looked down. I wasn't going back up there. They yelled and pointed back to me when I got there because sure enough, there was a huge shark underneath the bridge. After watching it for a minute or two, though, it became apparent that it was very dead. (laughs) We (laughs) were not sure what species it was, looking like maybe a minko or a white shark, but it was big and full of teeth. My friends all wanted to draw straws to see if someone could dive down and grab some teeth, but shockingly, no one was brave enough to do that. When we got home, we told our parents what we saw and... Their best guess was that it was a bycatch thrown back into the ocean by commercial fishermen as 35 years ago, they were just considered a nuisance and there was no market for them. The deep currents with the switching tides probably dragged it in and up against the bridge piles, disposing it there. 
all I knew is when I jumped off that bridge, I looked down, there was a massive shark underneath me, and it was the most scared I've ever been at the beach. Anyway, I enjoy your show a lot. Always binge listen when I have to make the 24-hour drive each year from Sudbury to Liverpool, and I appreciate all the work you put in the show. Thanks again, Chris. <laughs> Damn, that's a twist on par with Dead Silence. <laughs> that, is, that is nuts. I did not see a dead shark coming. Yeah, this is this is why I never learned how to swim is because of this. I was going to say, as the uh, only parent uh, on the show, knowing that he was eight or nine, how much does that terrify you at any moment? To uh, yeah, we're never anything? we're never going to Nova Scotia. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, no, it's, it's, your complete, it's completely <laughs> horrifying because like this, my, my kid already has this sense of adventure and uh, curiosity that is going to get him into a lot of fucking trouble uh, <laughs> already, unless I instill the fear in him of uh sharks and the nuclear power plant that we live near and uh everything everything if everything everything i'm gonna put them in a bubble we watched bubble boy i got some ideas (laughs) well thank you for the email chris we will continue to do this as long as there's emails to be read and i mean that was from july of 2020 so i got a handful that i can work through in the meantime uh, that was Horror Movie Night. We will be back next week with even more Horror Movie Night goodness. Stay tuned. Check out our website, hmmpodcast.com. Donate to the Patreon at patreon.com backslash hmmpodcast. And, of course, subscribe, rate, and review so that you keep giving us those good five stars. We could always use them, especially because some people don't like us very much, and that makes my feelings hurt. So give <laughs> us some five stars to make me feel better. Thanks. We'll be back <laughs> next week. Bye. listening to the Geekscape Network. 91 Donkey Lane is a magical apartment complex that contains immense power, but lacks intelligent inhabitants. What is happening? I'm getting texts. Why are we getting a lot of texts? People found out what we did. Oh, dividing Mike Myers into an infinite amount of tiny Mike Myers? Listen to 91 Donkey Lane for free on Spotify or your favorite podcasting app. More at 91donkeylane.com. See you there, you donkeys. Do you like to laugh, geek out on music, and learn all about that band or artist who had that one song back in the day, but then seemed to fall off the face of the earth? If so, you need to subscribe to One Hit Thunder. Together with an array of interesting and hilarious guests, we do a weekly dive into one-hit wonders like Eiffel 65's Blue, Krayshawn's Gucci Gucci, EMF's Unbelievable, Delamitri's Roll to Me, Los Del Rio's Macarena, Musical Youth's Past the Duchy, and even Patrick Swayze's She's Like the Wind. So are you subscribed to One Hit Thunder or what? As Desiree would say, you gotta be. And as K7 would encourage, you gotta come baby come and join in on the fun of the One Hit Thunder podcast. You're listening to the Geekscape Network.